0: Park 3 Minutes. We'll, we'll be discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel, one minute at a time. I'm Brad. And Dave. And today we're back to discuss Minute 34 of Jurassic Park 3. But before we get to that, David, you've been uh, out and about with your camera.
1: I have, yes I have. It's uh, finally, The ground is still frozen, but the snow has melted away. And so I used the chance to get out and get some pictures. I did um, one inspired by the kind of ending pan that we get. Uh, from the lost world and a couple other little ones little stuff to just show off here i'll post them when the minute goes live but yeah the one for the lost world i kind of not satisfied with and so i definitely think i'm going to be um redoing that one when the ground softens up a bit hmm
0: yep yeah. Yeah, I've been mean to grab some of some of these wonderful figures and get them outside into the wee little ferns I've got <laughs> in the garden. So.
1: Yeah, I finally got my um. Finally got my Lost World fan, uh ending pan. <laughs> that one that I get for a while since i since I had the um. The male since I had the male T-Rex from Mattel that I I wanted to recreate it.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, that's it. Now we have got the the baby as well the baby rex Mm -hmm. in toy form and the new one has a lot better chance and sort of scales a lot better than what the old lost world baby did
1: yeah nobody move a muscle
0: last week toy fair we seen a hint at the brachiosaur but we didn't see it at toy fair in the flesh but uh now they've revealed the brachiosaur in all its glory
1: I'm really excited. It's um they I think Brit it was Britt who said that on Twitter or no, it was on Instagram that said it wouldn't be on Toy Fair because of an exclusive. But it's really exciting because this thing is huge. It makes the Indominus toy, which is huge, look like a mini collectible. <laughs> mm. This thing is, yeah. this thing's gotta be three feet tall.
0: Yeah, and we, we've talked before with Mattel their scale, yes the um, Super Colossal doesn't fit that scale but for the most part the rest of the figures do, but seeing this Brachiosaur, seeing the Grant figure standing at its feet with the um, the Dimorphodon Capture Jeep there as well, just everything looks fantastic.
1: Oh, it looks so beautiful.
0: My only gripe is the fact they've got it displayed in front of a big set of Jurassic World gates that have sort of got that um, no, not battle damage, but they're weathered, weathered gates, like it's an old set of gates. Like, make us, <laughs> give us some gates. I don't have. There's
1: been a bunch of people complaining about that. I'm like, just shut up and enjoy the Brachiosaur, the giant Brachiosaur. Oh, yeah, in front yeah, of.
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. Don't don't take away from the Brachiosaur itself. And yeah, it's it's fantastic. There's plenty of articulation there. It's got, I think it is two or three separate joints on the neck, so you could get it to pivot. It's going to be fantastic. I just hope the um, the tail can lift and the back legs go back far enough so you can get the rear up oh, and just sort of balance. Yes,
1: yes, yes. On the
0: two and, back legs and have the tail as also that back tripod leg just to hold it up.
1: Yeah, I mean, the legs themselves don't aren't articulated, but it looks so cool because, I mean, the mouth moves. The mouth is articulated. It's got, like, two, like you said, two or three points of articulation on the neck. And I'm just thinking about I'm just thinking about the box for this thing. Oh my God, this thing, this thing is massive. It's too it's too scale with the human figures. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is the thing that I've been dreaming about since 1994, <laughs> since, since I could recognize dinosaurs.
0: Well, that's it. And sort of looking here at the Mosasaur. Even with how that was in its box, you had the tail off it and the flippers off it stored in there separately. I don't I don't think you could have this in the box and not have its legs or neck on it without all that sort of being in that open window at the front of the box to show off yeah. the sculpt.
1: Yeah, this thing is definitely going to have to... Some assembly is going to be required.
0: <laughs> yeah, which could be to its de- detriment of trying to find them if the store's only going to put four or five of these on the shelves because they are going to take up such a large space, they so it might be a little bit hard to find.
1: I was thinking the same thing, yeah. And that's that's my one big worry, is that stores won't want to stock it, because, I mean, the price point's only 50 bucks, so, I mean, it's yeah. not like it's going to be too expensive. But, I mean, just stocking it and putting it on shelves will be... Um, stores, like, don't want items that take up too much room. Yeah. And so, I I'm afraid that they'll be like... They won't order enough for demand.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, that's... Whenever... The, I only seen the Super Colossal Rex twice, and they will sort of up on top of shelves because there was no room on the actual shelf where the rest of the figures were for it. Because um, sort of like the space that box took up, you'd probably fit 10 to 15 of the wars or something like that, which were 30 bucks each, so you'd get a lot more sales off those smaller figures there than what you would to super colossal t-rex is on the shelf so um but i if we can yeah it'll be definitely worth finding it i'd i'd hate to go online shopping for it because it's probably going to cost over a hundred dollars to ship just because of the size of the box
1: (laughs) i mean the spinosaurus i'm remiss that i didn't pick it up when it was 40 bucks and i could have but at the same time i mean i'm not a huge spinosaurus fan Brachiosaurus, however, is my favorite herbivore in the Jurassic Park movies. So this will be... I will hunt it to the ends of the earth.
0: <laughs> I don't think you'll have much much of an issue finding it in stores over there. I hope not. <laughs> you better not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming after you, Mattel. <laughs> I'm coming for blood. <laughs>
1: They drew first blood, not me. <laughs> I'm going to go Rambo after that Brachiosaurus.
0: <laughs> well, I got the little Rambo gizmo. You put him on his back, he can ride the Brachiosaurus around. <laughs> Jack, say
1: my, say my name. Is my name Alan? Is my name Alan?
0: <laughs> he used to know me. Alright, ready to get into minute thirty-four? Sure. Alright. As we're at minute thirty-three of Jurassic Park 3, we've just seen the end of the video, and Paul assuring Amanda that Eric's alive. As we start our minute thirty-four, Grant and Billy turn away, and look back towards the parachute still hanging in the tree. Grant asks Billy, You think you can fly one of those? Billy looks at it for a moment, he says maybe, if the sail's not torn. Grant suggests we should take it. If we see a plane, it'll be a good way to get attention. At the 18 second mark, as they try and pull the parachute free, Amanda and Paul walk over towards them, just as a bony skeleton of Ben comes swinging down and hits Amanda head on, and she immediately becomes entangled in the ropes. She screams loudly, trying to get herself free from the entanglement of ropes. Paul and Yudeski try and help, but she's a blivering mess. By the 35 second mark, she's freed herself from the straps and begins running off in the jungle, disgusted and still screaming. At the 41-second mark, Grant points in the direction and says, get her back, Mr. Kirby. Paul looks at himself for a moment then runs off after his ex-wife. Grant and Billy then start the vile job of removing Ben Hildebrandt from the parachute harness. At the 53-second mark, we cut to Amanda running through some large elephant grass. And as the minute ends, Paul's running behind, trying to keep up, yelling her name. As we continue into minute 34, Paul's reassuring Amanda that Eric's still alive, but Grant and Billy sort of look at themselves for a minute and don't really think that uh, that's uh, the case, but they um turn and walk back towards the parachute still hanging in the tree and sort of both look at look at it for a moment and Grant asks, Billy, uh, can you fly one of those? And Billy replies, maybe if the sail isn't torn. I don't know why... And I suppose unless they got to the coast and found a cliff to jump off,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I don't know why the suggestion would be there to be able to re- re-fly one.
1: Yeah, it seems kind of weird. I mean, I think they're kind of just looking for anything and anything that would help them at this point since they're kind of at a loss right now. So I think they they grab it and it's going to be more of a have it if you need it, than need it and not have it, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. But then you get sort of, Grant's next line here, as he walks towards it, says, "Well, let's take it. If we spot a plane, we might be able to get their attention with it." So,
1: yeah, well, that's it. I mean, it's big and red and white, so that so that thing kind of blowing up in one spot in a clearing would
0: notify any plane that was flying overhead. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get to it in a minute, and even next minute as well. Both the script and the novel have them just packing it away in a backpack. Where the film's the only sort of spot where it's shown to be packed back into its proper parachute bag
1: mm-hmm.
0: so it can be redeployed
1: mm-hmm.
0: especially when we see Billy rolling up later it's really just rolling, being rolled up to put in a backpack to be used as a signal as a, something for a signal and not actually to be used to re, redeploy I suppose is the word, the, word to say but yeah. it's almost it's almost like Grant Grant knows they're going to be in the aviary so they, <laughs> they need, need the parachute in there yeah,
1: quite like convenient
0: yeah, yeah, exactly but uh, Grant and Billy begin to pull on the parachute trying to get it free and you can hear some snapping of branches as it's starting to come loose and by this time Paul and Amanda have sort of come over behind them as well and Amanda looks towards the parachute just as a, we get a cut to a skeleton swinging down towards the, <laughs> towards the camera and sort of hits Amanda f- front on and somehow missing Grant and Billy who were standing in front of her moments ago but Amanda becomes tangled in the lines and she's screaming <laughs> as she does and uh, tries to push it away and Paul sort of tries to help her out. Yudeski also tries to calm her down so they can untangle her from the lines.
1: This moment is kind of one of those... Um, the, one of the reasons why, like, Amanda kind of becomes uh, just... This... Known as the screaming woman, I guess you could say, among the fandom, just because, I mean, she's always just screaming maniacally over something in this movie. And this kind of is one of those moments that where it all kind of culminates.
0: But I'm, I'm going to jump on her defense here, because she's just seen her boyfriend, or what she assumes is a boyfriend. She could have even assumed it was Eric for a start until... hmm Because it doesn't... You only get a quick couple of shots of the skeleton, and it doesn't look like it's got its legs below the knees. Or maybe just that's the tattered rags of the pants... Again, if it's hanging in a tree, animals would have been picking this thing pretty clean. But mm-hmm. if they they're all birds, but because um, we also get a couple of quick cuts of its faces, she's sort of tangled in the lines, trying to get it through. and the the skull's sort of there jiggling with the jaw moving like it's laughing. there it, as well, it's, but
1: it's almost comical. It almost reminds you of um those uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark again, uh, taking inspiration from a previous Spielberg movie. Where the where um, Marion gets caught in the antechamber with all the skeletons, mm-hmm. and the skeleton just slow and the one skull just slowly kind of looks at her, turns to look at her, and then another one's got a snake coming out of it, and it's just so over the top, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. I mean, I will defend. I will admit, I'd scream bloody murder if a skeleton came flying at me but it's done in a way that it almost becomes comical.
0: Hmm. And the whole time, like, Grant and Udeski are sitting there grabbing her just, just so, trying to say, calm down, calm down. But, yes, her being hysterical and that's probably causing to get entangled up more in that, but I I still reckon the reaction here is pretty, <laughs> pretty justified. Yeah. And it's sort of surprising they didn't smell. Like, even now, you can't hear the flies. Whenever we've seen a carcass or something... On the mm-hmm. islands before, you've heard you've had that buzzing of flies, or, and we do get the flies buzz in a minute once the sort of scene's over. But
1: yeah, I was gonna say, uh, 'cause because the uh, flies do come up. Um, they when they pull the skeleton free from the uh, straps there, that you can see Billy kind of wave his hand in front of his face and make yeah. a scowl. Like the smell is really bad. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, and maybe maybe if the, when they first come to the parachute, you could hear that drone of flies, and maybe it'd be a, it'd let you know that there was something dead there. we here; it's sort of set up for that jump scare, bit of a jump scare moment. Mm-hmm. But um, she eventually gets free of it and starts running off in the jungle. And Grant points and says, "Get get it back, Mister Kirby." And um, Paul has a real look of disgust on his face here too, where he's sort of looking at the skeleton, then looking at Amanda running off, and sort of realizes, "Oh, I better go on." help her and runs off to try and catch up to Amanda
1: yeah he, he does look pretty freaked right here
0: <laughs> and then we cut back as Grant's releasing the body from the harness and falls to the ground as you said before we then get the, the sound of the flies buzzing as they wave their hands in front of their face sort of as the smells begin to envelop him and then we cut to Billy not so liking the smells as the, fly, the flies continue to buzz around but uh, as the minute ends we cut to Amanda running through the ferns behind Paul's trying to catch up calling her name again, so mm-hmm. not an overload happened in this minute, but um Back to Ben's body here. I oh, know there's been a lot of a lot of fan theories. The Dilophosaur got him and stuff and stuff like this as to why he's died and like last minute we discussed with that video how he sounded injured, possibly internal injuries and broke a broken rib or something from uh coming through the canopy of trees, but
1: if you look at the prop itself, the quote unquote meat hanging off the bone, it almost looks like it's a styrofoam Halloween prop. <laughs> I honestly have probably seen Gorier fake skeletons at, like, Party City. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I understand it's a PG 13 movie, but I mean, come on, you can go a little bit better than that, right?
0: Well, I suppose apart from Arnold's arm, we don't normally see a lot of the kills. It's either implied or dark, off-screen. To see this sort of body here, and even when we get to the Avery Mm -hmm. later with the skeleton there,
1: that even that skeleton seems kind of gnarlier. Yeah. It kind of has like this nasty, rotted look to it. This one looks like a styrofoam prop.
0: It does. Well, yeah, and it's supposed to be eight weeks. Eight weeks it's been here, the environment. Um, mm-hmm. If it was hooked up in branches, maybe, I'm sure compies would have got up to it, but birds, ravens or whatever else, you'd think there'd be a population of them on the island to sort of pick over the skeleton, but because it is sort of still in its harness, and I don't think any large predators have been through here and found it. Mm. Otherwise, it'd be a completely different sort of setup. up. The, the parachute would be out of the tree, and there'd be stuff everywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's really anything else to discuss on how he thought he died. You could throw all sorts of different fan theories at the wall and see if something sticks, but mm-hmm. I think the fact that the script and the Dune novelization both say that he sort of got some internal injuries and sort of hurt himself <laughs> coming in.
1: I mean, that is probably the most likely. One of my personal favorite fan theories, though, is that the Raptors got at him because he just he's right outside the Raptor Nest territory, as we'll find out next week. Yeah. But when I was a kid, somehow I thought that the Spinosaurus had like sucked the flesh off of him, like like a chicken, ball, <laughs> like like a chicken wing. <laughs> like he like, just stuck him in his mouth and just shredded the flesh off of him. I don't know why I thought that, but I did. <laughs>
0: yeah, it does sort of ask some questions. Okay, even with internal injuries, you could sort of survive a little bit longer. Why? Why you never got out of the harness? Why? why his body wasn't just leaning up against a tree somewhere. I think it gets even worse later when we don't even get a single reference to it by Eric at all,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: which is a shame.
1: Yeah, you'd think that he'd be pretty traumatised.
0: Considering that morning or the day before they were throwing a frisbee on a beach. Exactly. And they seemed seemed to be pretty... The relationship seemed to be pretty good when they were on the boat. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't like some other movies where you have the stepfather come in and they're sort of not really seen with much likeness by the children. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, briefly getting to script and novel comparisons. uh, As described described, or discussed last week, the dialogue between Grant and Billy about being able to use the parachute is said sort of before the video starts playing where they're both sitting there looking at it for the first time. But Paul says the video proves that Eric's still alive and Grant and Billy share a dubious look and start pulling on the chute and... uh, it comes free to reveal the skeleton just hanging in the tree and Amanda gets tangled in lines as we see in the film and screens and runs off mm-hmm. into the jungle and Paul follows her right away in the script. Grant doesn't sort of get Paul to go after her. Um, and then we get the, the the men getting their first look at the remains of Ben Hildebrandt still caught in his harness. So they're sort of um, suggesting that he was caught in his harness that he couldn't get free, but, um, I suppose if you've got broken ribs and not having a harness around your chest, you're going to be in a bit of pain,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, you'd imagine. But uh, in the novel, they come up on the parasail and they find the life jacket, as previously mentioned, and also the skeleton. Um, Amanda just says Ben's name quietly. There's no screaming or running. Uh, They find the video camera, but it offers no clues to what happened. And while they pull the chute down, tears well in Amanda's eyes, and she says, no, her baby's still out there somewhere all alone, and then runs off into the jungle. So, in the novel, she's running off because she's realised Narek's still out there, and not the fact that she just got tangled up and mm-hmm. got close with Ben's body. But uh, Paul, both Paul and Udesky give chase in the novel, and uh, Grant looks to Billy and uh, says, you know there's no chance, logically, that is. And Billy replies, hey, don't accuse me of being logical, as he packs a chute into a backpack. Again, here, sort of, it's going into a backpack, not into a, uh, into a, um, the proper parachute deployment bag, whatever you call it. But so it would be interesting to see how that comes up later when we get to the aviary and if they even have the parachute scene there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that's minute thirty four. Quick one.
1: Yeah.
0: Anything else, Dave, you want to bring up before we get heavier today?
1: No, I think we're pretty good on that.
0: If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is. JurassicMinutes.wordpress.com, and you can find the Lost World Minutes and Jurassic Minutes over on Facebook with the uh, pages there. David, where are you on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter,
1: we are at Jurassic Minute. Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minutes podcast.
0: Some of the worst things imaginable have
1: been done with the best intentions. This is how you make dinosaurs. This is how. You If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries. Now, what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters. Nothing more and nothing less. Are you saying that you wouldn't want to get on to Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance? No force on earth or heaven could get me on that island.
0: Your deskie. Hello?
1: Charlie! What? Charlie! Hello? Charlie, take the phone to mommy now! It's the- it's the dinosaur there! Okay.